Hello, and welcome to The Art of Healing. I'm your host, Faith Amusu. This is a show where we explore what it means to heal in all of its forms. I hope this show will help you navigate your healing journey. On this week's show, we are going to talk about creating healing spaces in safe environments where vulnerable communities feel comfortable expressing their emotions. My guest today is Lonnie Lyons, a career and guidance counselor assistant at Pierce College's Emoja program. Lonnie is also a graduate student who will be earning a master's in counseling with an emphasis in college counseling and student services later this year. Lonnie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Faith. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm well too. Thanks for asking. Great. I'm glad. Um, So Lonnie, you work at Pierce, but you're also Mm -hmm. a student as well. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences learning remotely and also working remotely? Sure. It's definitely been a big change for me. I'm the type of student who has gone, you know, I've gone out of my way to avoid online classes. I never wanted to take any just because I am very much the type of student who needs to be in the room, asking questions, kind of just really engaged. Um, So it's been hard, you know, it's not my favorite. If I had the choice to go back, I would definitely want to go back, Um, you know, as long as it was safe and not, you know, and um, working, working remote is actually not as challenging, I don't think. it's there's things about it that do make it more difficult like I can't just knock on my boss's um office door and ask for help or you know you know it's just it's more of an email process and you know so it's definitely not the same you don't get the same advantages but you know it's it's okay it's really I think being in class that sucks more for me because I don't get to have those relationships with my professors. I've always relied pretty heavily on support from my instructors, you know, office hours and things like that. So it's just not the same virtually. Right, right. Um, So yeah, how have you been like, I guess, building relationships or like keeping up connections or like trying to establish that? um, What's kind of like missing in-person learning um, over like, Zoom and emails and things like that. Right. It's definitely possible. I mean, um, I have made friends actually in classes since the pandemic, which I'm surprised even that that happened. But um, I think what's missing is really just the sort of like ease, you know, having it just be natural. It's much more, um, you know, forced almost when professors ask us to go into breakout rooms and and you're like, am I even going to be in a room with students that have their camera on? <laughs> you don't even know, you know, it's just, you don't, you can't get the sense of, of people as much like body language. I think, I think nonverbals are harder to pick up on. I rely, you know, on nonverbals when I'm in social situations. So I don't have those really. Um, but I, I was able to make a friend. It ended up being the kind of thing where, um, we were actually in a breakout room together and then just found that we had some stuff in common. So we ended up getting each other's like contact information to continue discussing the topic to turn in for class. 
and um, just kind of clicked and actually just kept texting each other even when we didn't have to meet for class. So, so that was actually kind of cool. I was like, it is possible. It's possible to have friends in a pandemic. That's awesome. And so how has the pandemic um, impacted like what healing looks like for you or has it made you focus on areas where you weren't necessarily focused mm -hmm. on before? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the pandemic has impacted that a lot. All, most of the things that I typically do to blow off steam, I can't do anymore. So, you know, uh, I used to do a girl, like a weekly kind of girls hangout night with my two close friends. So we stopped doing that. We, we tried to do it socially distanced with masks and outside and all that um, for a while, but then it just became like a oh, but now, you know, I went to the store and I ran into the, you know, like having to coordinate, like it's just, again, that ease, you know, is, is eliminated. So there's a lot more effort. So between everybody's schedules and, and so we started meeting, you know, on Zoom instead. And, you know, as a, as a student who works and every, my whole life is remote, I had to finally tell them like, look, I love you guys, but the last thing I want to do is on like a Friday night is be on zoom. That's the absolute last thing I want to be doing. So I was like, I'm not meeting that way for, I need a break. And, um, but other things we would do, you know, if we were to go meet for drinks or go have dinner together or stuff, stuff like that, can't do that anymore. Um, so, so the way that the pandemic impacted that was, you know, in that way, but in terms of healing, um, I do consider hanging out with them to be part of healing. So that's why I mentioned that earlier. But another thing that I was doing, um, I was doing yoga classes for a while. My friend was an, a yoga instructor. So I would go take her classes, but um, you know, I'm not going to be deep breathing in a room with a bunch of other people. <laughs> so I stopped doing that, you know, so I, I think that definitely physical exercise, which is a big part of self-care, you know, that's, that's been hard to do because everything, you know, it's even hard for me to, I can do a yoga class on YouTube or something, but it's one of those things where, you know, after a long day of zooming, now you're going to watch a YouTube video. I'm like, I don't want to, I'm sick of looking at these screens. Uh, so having to find other ways, I think going outside has become more of a thing now than it was before, you know, just even if it's just like to walk my dog, like it's more exciting to walk my dog now than it used to be. <laughs> So true. Um, so tell us a little bit about like your history at Pierce and history working in healing spaces like the porch talk. Yes. Yes. Um, so do me a favor, ask me that question again. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about your history at Pierce. Uh -huh. History yeah. at Pierce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I was a Pierce student a long time ago, um, when I was 20, this was in 2008. So that's when I went to Pierce. So I went there for about four years. Um, and then I moved. So I just went to some other community colleges closer to where I lived. And then when I went to grad school, I was like, please, please, can I get an internship at Pierce? It's where I went. It's where I spent the most time. It's, you know, feels 
feels like it had a really big impact on me because of um, it was like my first experience in higher ed. So um, I was really lucky and fortunate and happy when I got um, hired to work in the EOPS department and then with Emoja um, and doing spaces like Porch Talk, which I love to do. Should I talk more about that or were you going to? Yes, I was actually going to follow up with okay. um, like, yeah, how did you end up facilitating porch talks? Mm -hmm. And maybe, um, yeah, if you could explain a little bit what a porch talk is or what mm -hmm. it looks like, that would okay. be awesome. Sure. So porch talk is a few things, right? Um, it is one of the principles, uh, well, the porch, the porch is a principle in a Moja program, um, which emphasizes kind of communicating in a space that is safe to be yourself. So Umoja is a program where we work with um, Black and African American or any person on the, Af on the Africa diaspora. Um, we help them with anything that has to do with higher um, college counseling. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like now getting it confused with like my own degree. Let me just start over. So Umoja is a student support program that helps students who are identify as well, our target demographic is students who are black and african-american although all students of all races and ethnicities are welcome in this space um, it's just that the topics we talk about are mostly based off of like the moja practices which do center around issues that have to do with people on the diaspora so um, the porch is where we talk about communicating kind of just freely, safely. Sometimes it gets heated. Sometimes it's with jokes. Sometimes it's serious. And um, that's a really important space um, for students, for students like me, um, for, the stu for students like the ones that we serve, because um, there's just not always a space available like that where students can be themselves, say what they really think, be accepted. Um, Oftentimes students, you know, they may not have a space like that anywhere. You know, I almost just said like, maybe the only space they have is at home, maybe it is, but maybe they don't even have a safe space there to really share. So, um, you know, I'm just really proud of having a space like that for students um, available. So when I started, first started doing porch talk, it's because actually um, I was in a class where I was learning how to do group counseling. And so I was like, I need a group, I need a group. And we found this group or her, or we knew of this group. And I was like, ooh, that would be so cool if we could do a group with this group of students um, and talking about these types of things, which are really important. So, you know, could be talking about politics or current events or, you know, ways to kind of reach out in the community, just kind of whatever makes sense. So that that's really how my um work with porch talk began was needing a space to kind of fulfill this assignment but after working with it I was like you know can I keep doing this like what's you know everyone is liking it like I would love to continue doing it so I was just really lucky that I got to maintain the relationship with the pro uh, the program coordinator and keep working with Emoja students Yes, that is amazing. Um, would you say like having safe spaces like Emoja is like essential for college campuses, especially at like predominantly white institutions, but um, even just at community college where 
maybe the diversity is like ranges a bit more, but still like having those spaces that are like designated for um, like just any ethnic group, but like especially like marginalized or minority communities to just be able to exist freely. I do think these types of spaces are essential. When I went to Pierce, they like Emojo wasn't fully established yet. I think it was kind of in the works, but there wasn't a program called Emojo that I could join at the time. And, um, you know, like I was fine, but that's a shame. And I think there's probably students who were less fine than I was and could have really benefited from a space like that. Um, I, I know I could have benefited from it without even really like needing, needing it. Um, so <clears throat> there are students who need a space like this because it's not only um, like, maybe it's not just a space where I can go and share my thoughts and people will listen to me, but maybe it's also a space where I can go listen and learn and hear other people's perspectives, whether they're like mine and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have something in common. I feel that way too. Or maybe it's totally different. And I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. You know, like, I'm so glad I came here and heard that person speak today. Or maybe it's a place where um, I learn about resources. You know, I think it's really important because it's, it's a, it's a good spot to go and find out, you know, oh, so, you know, I'm not the only one who feels kind of depressed. Oh, there's, you know, a phone number that I can just text and I can easily talk to somebody about my depression. You know, I, I think that it is extremely essential um, to have spaces, especially on college campuses, especially on predominantly white campuses, but definitely on campuses. I don't care how diverse it is. I think that there should be a space for marginalized populations where they can go and be safe um, and that's another thing that I think is really special about Emoja and about programs like Emoja and about Porch Talk is the students came in and they knew that, you know, it was going to be a safe space. And that's just really important to me, at least. Right. Thank you. Um, so then I guess I'll follow up with um, what made you pursue a career in counseling and helping other students? Hmm, okay. I think, how do I start talking about this? Because it's like kind of one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, well, originally I wanted to pursue social work because I was like, how can I kind of be where I'm most needed? That's what I kind of care about. Um, there's so many groups and subgroups of people who need some type of a service or assistance. I'm like, where can I go be where I am the most needed though? So I was like social work for sure. Um, but then everyone's like, but what kind of population do you want to work with? And there's so many, I'm like, well, my mom's Native American. So I'd love to work with Native Americans. My dad's black. I'd love to work with black people. Um, I'm a woman. Like I'd love to work with women or people who identify as women. I'd love to work with, you know, veterans or, you know, seniors. I mean, there's just a million groups, right? LGBTQIA plus so much. Um, but what I found myself noticing was how um, I was able to help all groups that I cared about by working on a college campus. So I was like, oh, so I can just help college students. Um, and then there's these programs, you know, specialized programs like Emoja where I can go and help black college students, you know? So, um, so I'm learning, right? I'm like social work because I want to help, help who? Students, I guess. 
And then I'm like, okay, but how do I help students as a social worker, right? I don't know. So then I'm like, oh, all these, um, there's different words. So like at CSUN where I go to school, um, I had an academic advisor who was kind of a mentor to me um, at Pierce. We would call them college counselors. So I was like, so I went to my academic advisor and I was like, how do I get your job? Like, I feel like I should be doing what you're doing. And he was like, well, there's this program and it's a counseling program. And I was like, okay, okay. So with this program, I could maybe, you know, um, work at like a counseling center at a college campus, or I could work academically with students, or I could work in student affairs, helping students, you know, with mentorship programs or kind of on-campus involvement, whatever it is. So I just felt like this degree was going to open up so many more opportunities for me to work um, in different areas where I am most needed. Maybe it's with students with disabilities, maybe it's with students who are undocumented, wherever they need me to go, I'll just go there. So I really appreciate how um, this degree allows me to help so many types of people in so many different ways. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so how do you like create a safe space that's inclusive for BRPOC, mm -hmm. the LGBTQI community and like other marginalized communities? Mm -hmm. So I love this question um, <laughs> because it's such a good one. Like, how do I, like, I keep calling Porch Talk like the safe space, right? But it's like, how, maybe I think it's safe. I don't know, right? Maybe some people come in and they don't feel safe at all. Um, <laughs> but I think that one of, one of the ways I like to create a safe space, air quote, right? Create a safe space is um, by asking the people in the space, like, how can, how, do, you know, how do you think we can make this space safe or, you know, what makes this a safe space for you? Um, I know when we first started doing Porch Talk, we had a conversation about cell phones. Some people might not feel safe around people who are on their phones because, you know, if you're sitting there kind of spilling your guts and someone's over here texting, you're like, are they, you know, texting someone like what I'm saying, or, you know, you don't really know what, or are they just like not caring that I'm crying and they're just over there in some text conversation? Like, this is so awkward. But, I, you know, who am I to say, you better all turn off your phones when it might make someone feel unsafe to not have access to their phone for whatever reason, or, um, you know, I don't know everyone's situation. So I do like to ask people. <clears throat> um, and if I'm in a group of people who I, where I can't really identify necessarily. So like, if I was in a group with you know, students who identify as like say trans, you know, I'm not trans. So I, I can't go around saying like how to make, you know, trans people feel safe. I would rather consult maybe um, and say like, hey, like what's a great way to make this space safe? Like, or could you come, you know, maybe you could be like a guest speaker or you could be like my co-facilitator, you know, just kind of making sure that creating either like just a sense of like a, an environment where you feel like you can trust the people you're in um, so emphasize, I always emphasize confidentiality, like, please, you know, there's not really a way I can enforce that everybody keep everything a secret, but at least letting them know, like, the expectation is to keep these conversations just between the group of people here, um, like the Vegas rule, you know, so that's really, I think the best I can do is just ask the group how, how I can make it safe for them, try to create a space where everyone, um, you know, feels like they understand the expectations and it is a 
as much of a trustworthy space as it can be, but it does, you know, it does get hard when it's people who all go off and, you know, you may never even see them again. They might repeat a conversation. Hopefully they don't. Right. So kind of going back to what you were saying about like also coming into the space and like listening and like seeing what other people have to right. say to, to like, yeah, make the space a safe one. Right. Awesome. Exactly. And so um, do you feel like helping others work towards like finding their career, or finding their goals, or like even just like having a safe space, does that also like help you in your healing journey? Um, yeah, mm -hmm. you can touch on that. Yeah, I think it does. Um, because for me, doing this type of work, um, <clears throat> working with students or marginalized populations, helping people just get really like access to education and things like that, for me, it's the reason why I find it healing is because it makes me feel like I'm um, fulfilling a purpose or like a calling. Um, I, I feel very, you know, certain and comfortable that this is kind of where like the, the field I'm meant to be working in. So knowing that I'm, you know, talking to students who, you know, like some kind of something I mentioned earlier about people may not be safe at home. Um, you know, when you're on a college campus, whether it's remote or physical, you know, I never know if a student I'm talking to, I might be the first person that they've ever met at that school. I might be, I might literally be setting the tone for their college experience. You know, I don't know if, um, you know, I'm the first person who's offered, who's smiled at them since they've been here or made them feel welcome or listened to something they had to say or answered their question directly. You know, I just don't know their history. So I try to kind of just pretend as though I'm, I might be that first person. So I just take that really seriously. Um, I feel like I strayed a little from the question. Oh, you asked if it was healing for me. So for me to um, be able to be kind of what, what I needed when I was in college for me to feel like I'm sort of, um, you know, it's almost like coming back full circle where it's like, I needed someone. I know there's students out there who need someone. Let me just go ahead and be that person for them because I can be, I want to be, you know, I think I'm pretty good at being that person for them. So let's just go ahead and, and, you know, make that happen. And um, it's, it's fulfilling for sure. Yeah, that's so great. Like kind of being the person that you wish you had, you know, when you were in school. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and then, okay, I guess perhaps our last question, we'll see if we have time for one more, but um, okay. do you feel like if more people had access to the resources and education that programs like Emoja provide, um, would they be working towards their healing or like, would they have the uh, just what they need to work towards that and would they be more interested in that? I would say mostly yes. Like sure, there might be some exceptions, but for the most part, yes, I would say um, because like just, you know, knowing what I know now, you know, I didn't know what I knew back when I was at Pierce, <laughs> but I mean, I know more than what I knew when I was at Pierce. So in retrospect, I'm thinking, 
yeah, I think I would have started my healing process sooner. I think a lot of being, you know, one part of it, one kind of tiny part about it is just being kind of frustrated and confused, maybe feeling alone or, or kind of like lost. That's just one piece of it. But in Emoja, there's such a strong sense of community and belonging and, and so much support available to you that um, I'm like, how could you almost not begin some t- somewhat of a healing process while you're in it? Um, whether it's, you know, maybe, maybe there's no, um, like, like, like I can't offer you therapy. Okay. I can't offer you one-on-one therapy as an Emoja student, except, you know, I can help you find where you might be able to access that if that's what you need, you know, like if you need, um, if you're having food insecurity, housing insecurity, no, there's not funding built into the Emoja program that can help you, you know, pay your rent necessarily, but can we point you in the direction of scholarships or another community resource where you could find help? And will we also, you know, kind of stand by you throughout that? You know, we will actually stay with a student, um, you know, kind of by their side as they navigate the finding the resources that they need. And those are not, and that's not even having to do with any of the academic ones. I listed off a few that didn't even necessarily have to do with like class and grades and homework assignments and access to a laptop because that's almost, I feel like that's almost expected out of a program like Emoja because it is an academic support program. But what I think is even bigger than that is the access to people who want to make sure that you have all the help that you need, the answers you need, you know, like above and beyond. I think sometimes I'm thinking like, wow, we're really gonna hold this student's hand like this. Okay. You know, but you don't know if that is what the student needs. Sometimes the student really does need that. And it's not really our place to really judge whether or not, you know, I don't know your needs. (laughs) You know, your needs. And if you come to us, we will do our best to help get all your needs met, whether it's directly through the program or indirectly through the program. Wow. Thank you so much, Zani. Um, We're going to go ahead and wrap this up, but thanks again for joining me today and sharing your experiences. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And until next time, I'm Faith Amusu. Um, I will leave some links and just some information about how to apply at Emoja for Pierce College and um, most of the schools in the LACCD district, but primarily for Pierce students. Thank you all for tuning into the second episode of The Art of Healing on kpcrradio.com. Until next time, I'm Faith Amisu. Thank you.